Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast, an extension of doodlekisses.com. I'm your host, Adina Pearson. The goal of this podcast is to provide education, entertainment, and connect with our Doodle Kisses members on the topic of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and dogs in general. We're going to be taking a bit of a break this summer, but when I asked listeners for feedback on topics that they wanted to hear about in the fall, one person suggested we cover the alphabet soup of doodle generations. Since this is a fairly simple topic that doesn't require a full-length show or a guest expert, I thought I'd cover it today as a supplement of sorts. No intro, no music, no commercials. We'll just plow on through. But then again, I am capable of going on and on about doodle topics, so this may not be as short as anticipated. I know that some of you would like to have um, transcripts of the show. At least one person has asked me. Um, so I imagine, you know, where one person asks, there's other people that wish for something and just aren't vocal about it. Right now, getting transcripts made isn't an option. But for this episode, since I was able to type up most of what I'm saying already, um, I will just make that available so you can read through it if you'd prefer to read through through this information rather than listen. So let's get started. When I first got introduced to the world of the Labradoodle and doodles in general, I found the generation distinctions between them very interesting. Back then, most doodles were of the F1 generation and the F1B generation. Today, you might see F2, F1BB, and various other combinations, as well as the designation of multi-generational doodle or labradoodle. But what the heck does this alphabet soup mean? And does it really matter? Let's get into it. First, the F stands for filial, and the number of letters refers to the generation. And in technical biology terms, filial generations, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, are the terminology is the terminology used to describe subsequent sets of offspring from a controlled or observed reproduction. These terms are classic biology terms. They were not created by or for doodle breeding, but they help describe the generations in this mixed breed. The first generation between the poodle and another breed is called the F1 generation, or more simply, F1. Any purebred cross with a different purebreed creates puppies that can be called F1 something or other. Lab and poodle equals F1 labradoodle, golden and poodle equals F1 golden doodle. Now the initial draw of the labradoodle was the idea that you could mix the lab and the poodle and voila, you'd have a magical combination that would give you the non-shedding coat and intelligence of the poodle and the jovial, friendly, happy to see and please you Labrador personality. Of course, in real life, this doesn't play out in this idealized 50-50 way. Because if you're picking genes at random, which is how real life works when two creatures reproduce offspring, you might also end up with a dog that gets the shedding genes from the Labrador or the Golden Retriever. A doodle litter is basically like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Think of it this way. If Surfer Joe and Curly Sue have six children, some of their children could have blue eyes like Joe if Sue carries blue-eyed genetics. Some will have brown eyes like Sue. Some will have Sue's curly hair and others will have Joe's stick-straight blonde hair. 
Some will be short like their dad, Joe, and others will take after Sue and be very tall. Some will have Joe's laid-back attitude and others will be type A like Sue. Some might even take after Sue's dad and be math whizzes. Some will tan easily like Joe and some will have mom's very pale skin. All depending on how the genetic lottery goes for each child at conception. What doesn't happen is this. They do not turn out like identical twins that are exactly halfway between the parents. They will not all have medium brown, medium wavy, neither hair, neither curly nor straight. Um, they will not all have heights between their two parents. They will not have medium personalities, neither type A nor overly laid back. They will be individuals, each catching some of one parent's char characteristics and some of the others. They will have things in common, but they're going to be unique. If this is true with one mammal, believe me, it works this way in dogs too. Mixing two different breeds will yield a variety, not a 50-50 blend with only the qualities you want and none of the ones you don't. It's not like mixing paint where you mix red and white and get pink. You're going to get some that are red, some that are white, maybe some that are pink, but they're not going to all be pink. That's the F1. And luckily, labs and poodles and retrievers are generally great dogs. So if you're getting an F1 Labradoodle or Golden Doodle from two parents that are fabulous dogs themselves, most of the litter is going to be probably pretty decent. If one of the parents has a temperamental flaw or is shy or hyper, you can bet that there's going to be puppies in that little litter who inherit that characteristic because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. For some reason, F1 Labradoodles are not being bred much these days, not by well-known breeders and almost never by breeders who do proper health testing on the parents. I'm not really sure why, uh, because plenty of people are breeding F1 Golden Doodles. Um, so I, again, I don't know why, um, but I think that F1 Golden Doodles, as long as they have facial furnishings, tend to be more scruffy and have thicker doodly coat um, on the whole compared to F1 Labradoodles. Of course, doesn't always work out that way, but I think generally it does. Um, but I can't speak to other Poodle Mix F1s. The next common generation after the F1 is the F1B. If the F1 is essentially the first cross between two different breeds, the F1B is the result of taking, a, taking an F1 and crossing it back to one of the parent breeds. So the B stands for back cross. Most of the time, this means taking an F1 doodle and breeding it with a poodle to get that statistically 75% poodle outcome. However, just like with the F1 that's supposed to be 50-50, not every puppy in the litter is going to look or act like a dog that's 75% poodle. Um, nevertheless, the F1B is often touted as better for people with allergies to dogs. And again, statistically speaking, an F1B dog should have more poodle coat genetics and not shed. But nature is complicated. And sometimes even an F1B um, of any kind of doodle combo can still shed and not necessarily be curly like you'd expect of a dog with 75% poodle genetics. I often ask people, why not just get a well-bred poodle instead of, of getting a dog that looks like a poodle and is genetically 75% poodle? And the most common answer I get is, well, I want that golden or lab personality to still be there. And I get it. Goldens and labs are like 
popular for a reason, but there's literally no guarantee that an F1B is going to retain enough of the lab or golden characteristics to make it any different than a poodle. And frankly, poodles don't get enough credit for being wonderful family dogs. Um, they're they want to please as well. They're friendly. They're all sorts of things that you could say about goldens and labs, even though they have their differences. There's a different kind of F1B though, and sometimes breeders will take an F1 doodle and instead of crossing it back to the poodle, they will cross it back to a retriever. Now that's pretty rare and doesn't really make sense because when it you know, when you think about the reason most people want a doodle, the lower shedding and scruffy coat, um, an F1B that has 75% retriever is probably going to be more like a lab or a golden. And then at that point, I wonder why not just get a lab or a golden because it's going to shed anyway. There are some people who do want that, um, do really like that mostly lab or golden looking dog. And that's fine. Um, but it seems like such a big gamble in my opinion. Another generation that I'm seeing more and more of, despite the genetic gamble, is the F2. Trying to explain this is hard without a visual aid, so I'm going to link you to a video I made a while back in the show notes. Imagine you had two sets of marbles. One set is blue, the other is yellow. Let's make blue represent the poodle's genetics, the poodle's genes, and yellow is going to re represent the retriever's genes. An F1 doodle gets half of its genes from the poodle and half of its genes from the retriever. So imagine that its DNA, its genetic profile, is a row of blue marbles and a row of yellow marbles, right? They got one from each until they filled out all their DNA. To make an F2 now, you breed two F1 dogs together. So now the F2 gets half its genes from the F1 dad and half its genes from the F1 mom. And if you remember what we just said, the F1 has half and half genes from the lab and the poodle or the whatever in the poodle. But because both of these parents, the F1s, have both lab and poodle genes, now to make the F2 in the genetic lottery of the F2, it's possible that some pups, when they get a gene from the F1 dad, are going to get a lab gene. And when they get the gene from the F1 mom, they're also going to get the lab gene. So it's possible some puppies will end up picking mostly lab genes from each F1 parent. And it's possible some puppies will pick mostly poodle genes from each parent, right? Because there's that possibility of getting either a yellow or a blue on both sides. And it's just how, you know, the lottery ends up. And it's also possible some puppies will pick an even number of poodle and lab genes from each parent. And every single combination possible is possible. So the F2 is the biggest gamble in terms of breeding consistency. You have less idea of what you're going to get. There can be some very retriever-like dogs and some very poodly-like dogs and all the varieties in between. This makes absolutely no sense to me unless a breeder was really breeding for the future and creating, working on creating a breed type that bred consistently over 50 years or so, you know, so you take an F2 and you breed it to another F2 and you take their progeny and breed it, you know, on and on until you've really like fine-tuned and are getting consistent things. So your goal is far into the future. But for producing a litter today, right, like if your goal as a breeder, if you're looking at a breeder that's making F2s and they're just breeding for the sake of creating the F2, it's a crapshoot because again, all the possibilities under the sun can come out in that litter. 
I've also seen breeders advertise F1BB. Can you guess what this is? If you guessed an F1B bred to a poodle again, you're right. So you take a dog that's statistically 75% poodle and you add more poodle in it. I forgot to check what that means <laughs> for the percentage, but it's like 83% or something really high. So a really poodly dog. Why? The only answer I can guess is marketing because you're really not going to have much retriever left in that dog. So again, if you're going to go for a dog that's over 75% poodle, 75% or more, why not get a well-bred poodle? Then you know exactly what you're getting. You can look up the genetics and pedigree and, and see the history on those lines. Uh, you're probably not going to be able to do with an F1B or an F1BB. You're going to get consistency from a certain line of poodles. I've also seen F2B and F2BB, um, and these can come, the first one can come from an F2 bred back to a poodle once or twice if it's the second option. As far as, as higher numbers, F3, F4, etc., um, I hope I'm going to get this right, but what I understand is a generation only advances one generation beyond the lowest generation. So if you're breeding like an F2 and an F4, it's an F3 because it's only going one above the F2. Uh, but really anything beyond an F1B or an F2 is a multi-generational doodle. Um, and this, this can be interesting and it can be fun to try to play with the alphabet soup and figure out exactly what F, you know, a dog or a breeding is going to produce. But ultimately it doesn't matter. If you know what an F1, F2, and F1B is, so you you kind of can figure out the rest or it's just guessing anyway. And it only matters in terms of having an idea of what kind of genetic possibilities there are in a litter. It doesn't mean anything about your particular dog. If your pup has a perfect doodly non-shedding coat, does it really matter what generation it is? Or if it sheds and has a smooth face with no furnishings, does it matter that it's a multi-generational doodle? Um, what most people care about is getting their idealized doodly dog. And that is an impossible promise because doodle litters will be a mixed bag of possibilities. Um, but it happens all the time. I don't, I think the most common question posed on doodle kisses in the last, this year, I would say, is will my dog look doodly? Will my doodle doodle out? Will my puppy have like scruffy face? And that's always the that's always the question. Um, and that's what people want most of the time out of a doodle. Now, some people, do they go into it and end up with a smooth faced dog, but love it and are happy and would never change it for a million dollars? Yes. Do some people go into it and hope for a scruffy dog and end up with a really curly coat? Um, yes. Do some people get shedders and when they didn't want shedding? Sure. It happens all the time. And usually people fall in love with the dog and, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. But if you're going to go into it, if you're going to pay a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars for a dog for a certain reason, it behooves you to really research that dog, find out what that genetic combination is, find out what kind of puppies they produced in the past, find out about testing and all of that. So you're actually getting what you pay for. Speaking of scruffy faces and furnishings, in case anyone is unfamiliar, unfamiliar with the term um, furnishings, it refers to the scruff around the nose and muzzle 
that is what is expected in a doodle, right? So very different than the smooth, short hair on the face of a lab or golden. In any dog beyond the first generation, a breeder can predict with certainty if any pups will have furnishings or if they will have an incorrect coat, which basically means if they'll look like a retriever. They can do this with genetic testing of the parents. Um, the genes for an incorrect coat are known. That means they can be tested for. In the past, breeders of multi-generational doodles um, would be surprised when many generations in, they'd end up with surprise puppies that had what they called uh, um, throwback coats. So they look like a retriever, a brown retriever, a black retriever, of whatever color retriever, despite the fact that both of the parents were multi-generational doodles and had full coats and furnishings. And it was kind of like this, you know, terrible secret, you know, when a breeder would have a dog with a throwback coat. And it happened in Australian Labradoodle litters too. And it would be a surprise and sometimes they would discount the puppy. Um, but now breeders can test for this gene. Once it was discovered, it was a really cool thing. It has nothing to do with health, but it's helpful for breeders and for people wanting a doodle. So if both parents have the full furnishing genes, and don't have the gene for incorrect coat, they will only produce offspring that have that are furnished. If one parent carries the gene and the other doesn't, they will still have furnished pups, but some of those pups will carry um, for the incorrect coat. So they could produce incorrect coats. But if both of the parents carry for incorrect coats, then some of the puppies will have smooth faces and look like retrievers, and some of them will look doodly. If you don't want to have a puppy with an incorrect coat, be sure that your breeder tests their doodles for this before the breeding. There are also some signs that you can look for in terms of the coat, but that's not the topic of this particular episode. Anyway, I hope this explanation helped a little and didn't just create more confusion. Remember that doodles are like a box of chocolates and you don't know exactly what you'll get in early generations. Remember that genetics aren't like mixing paint colors, but also keep in mind what the possibilities are in various mixes so you know what you can expect. Beyond that, it's just alphabet soup.